My special guest today is Jay Pinsonneau from the Seacoast Media Group. And, of course, you can read his byline on the Portsmouth Herald, Boston's Democrat, Exeter Newsletter, Hampton Union, and SeacoastOnline.com. Hey there, Jay. How are you, sir? How you doing? All right. What are the topics that uh, they got you hopping on? Oh, we have the uh, end of the regular season in high school sports. As you know, we get the beginning of Division Three basketball coming up. We got Maine basketball coming up, but uh, that doesn't fit this uh, this narrative here. We get the, uh, obviously we get the Super Bowl. We get the beginning. Uh, Alex Cora held his first uh, uh, press conference. That was interesting, and um, uh, the mighty uh, the alma mater won the bean pot again, so that yeah. was good. Yeah, with the Huskies and. To uh, never advance the finals when I was there, but uh, they've turned the they've turned the page and now they've won five of six. So, well, let's jump into it. Let's let's start with the first off the 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 big elephant in the room that we just pushed out of the room is the Super Bowl. What was your reaction? I went into the game hoping that the Niners would win, um, simply because uh, the more Super Bowls Kansas City wins and Mahomes wins, it it further elevates his career and gets him in the conversation with Brady um, with, so with his third win on Sunday, he's, he's uh, half he's reached, he's come in uh, half to what Brady did with the Patriots. And then Brady has the seventh overall. So I think uh, Mahomes has, has as well on his way for, uh, for to be further in the conversation for, uh, the goat of uh, of quarterbacks, but uh, he he performs well. And when San Fran uh, uh, took the lead at the end of regulation, I I think there was too much time left uh, for Kansas City, and I kind of just expected Mahomes to do what he did. And the same thing in overtime when the Niners took the ball, scored first. I just assumed that the Either uh, either Mahomes would march him down the field and at least get a game-tying field goal or what he ended up doing, get a game-winning uh, touchdown. So I was not surprised with the Chiefs winning their third Super Bowl in the last five years, but was definitely looking for uh, San Francisco to uh, to uh, to win, but that didn't happen. So Well, I, I have to admit, I was pulling for San Fran just for Brock Purdy's sake. I thought he, he put in for it. A kid that was the last draft pick, <laughs> he, he he put on a good show, and he did. Uh, he played you know, well. And and putting Mahomes, I was talking to a football coach last night, uh, and I said, you know, I I know they're comparing Mahomes and Brady, but that's apples and hand grenades as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Brady is is a distinct personality, a distinct style of play. Uh, of determination, and I think Mahomes has been in the right place at the right time and had uh, a good team to back him. Uh, Kelsey and and all the rest of the pieces that are there now and have been in the past, and a, a coach and Andy Reid who knows his X's and O's obviously. So I think whether or not that uh, dynasty, if you want to call it that, or potential dynasty is going to continue, that remains to be seen. I think there's a lot of I I was shocked, and I want to get your opinion on this is when Kelsey went up to Andy Reid and bumped him because yeah. he was upset. Now that to me, uh, and this is what I was talking about with the coach last night. I said. That would have put him on the bench. I would have told him, hey, you go up to the skybox with Taylor and sit and watch the rest of the game because you aren't going back on, on that field, brother. It was tough to see that. It shows how much of a competitor he is. I don't agree with it, but 
he wasn't on the field when, uh, or he, he wasn't on the field when a, when a play happened. And I think he just thought that he could have made a difference on that play. And I think he was just voicing his displeasure that he was not on the field at the time. I definitely do not agree with it, but I think in the heat of heat in the moment, uh, the competitive guy that he is, he just wanted the team to do well. And um, I kind of gave him a pass on that, but um, I I do see how people got upset about it. And um, yeah, I would, I wouldn't have been surprised. He would have been benched by many coaches and, in old school coaches in the past, I don't know, 20 years or 15 years. But I think nowadays that is more tolerated than it was before. And I don't think Andy Reid took, uh, uh, I think he kind of shook it off. Well, can you imagine uh, Gronk doing that to Belichick? I couldn't. I mean, that, that would have been, you know, pack your bag, you're gone. I mean, it just, and and I think that's another thing comparing, and a lot of people are Kelsey to Gronkowski uh, again, apples and hand grenades, two different personalities. I think Kelsey is more of a showman and, and a hip showman, whereas Gronkowski kind of fell into a Gronk is, is a showman too now, but he, he's kind of, I've worked his way into it. Let's put it that way. You know, he hasn't been forced into it like Kelsey, especially with this Taylor Swift jazz that's going on. And and it'll dovetail into what I want to go into an article that I read in the, uh, in the Portsmouth Herald. And uh, it, it was about how officials here, right here in the Granite state uh, are, are getting harassed. And, and it brings up a, a you know, a lot of, a lot of topics. Um, but in that in particular with the state, I guess the state legislature is trying to come up with some sort of a, a bill to protect uh, the officials from harassment from fans in particular, parents in specific. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just to me, it goes back to what we saw the other night. Uh, you see a player taking it off on a coach and kids are watching and they say, hey, you know, I, I know it's it's not going to happen a lot, but just it, one one incident is all you need to spoil a game or a team or whatever. And uh I've seen it over the past few years, how especially the the uh, coaches, and I, I'll go specifically to basketball for, for my experiences, um, you know, are, are getting harassed. And it takes a strong official to just put the boots to the, the coach and say, listen, and it happened in a game recently. He went up to one of the, the assistant coaches and said, I've had enough of you. Mm-hmm. Keep quiet. And that's what it's going to take. But the parents in the stands and 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 the fans in the stands, again speaking from Exeter and and uh, Bill Ball being the athletic director at a basketball contest, if the crowds, in particular the student body, gets out of hand, all he has to do is furrow his brow, and they they quiet down. And and uh, you know good sportsmanship, you know that's what what we're looking for. And I and I at the beginning of each game I say to the crowd, hey, you know, the kids are told good sportsmanship. Let's do it too, the fans. So your take on anything you've seen or, or or your take on what you feel should be done with that particular issue. And people wonder why there is a shortage in not only coaches, but officials now, because as you said, it takes a thick skin to, uh, to survive. There's a shortage of both officials and coaches now. And I think the, the harassment that both officials and short and officials and coaches get on a game by game basis 
is uh, apparent. And you almost go into a game expecting parents to voice their opinion about certain calls, certain non-calls. And when it doesn't happen, you're that's more of a story when there isn't a parental um altercation with uh with an not an altercation but it's 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 the norm now where you go where you go into these games expecting parents to voice their opinions of calls and non-calls directed at at officials or at coaches regarding playing time or whatever but I was at a hockey game in Manchester a couple weeks ago and there was a there was a big crowd of parents um, voicing their displeasure about um, uh, the lack of calls in this game. And they were pounding on the glass, um, expletive-laced comments directed at the officials, kids standing right next to them. I would guess the kids were probably 10, 10 to 12 years old. And when 10 and 12-year-old kids see adults who they are standing next to pound the glass and swear at officials. There was one kid who joined in. He started pounding the glass and started using some uh, inappropriate language towards the officials. And it's just a sad case these days where parents think, think, because most times they don't think they know more than what the officials are um, what the officials' knowledge of the game, and they think they know what a penalty is and what's not a penalty. And I think parents are is definitely getting worse with every year. And until parents, I believe, until I agree with this bill that the that the state is uh, uh, proposing that sanctions have to be done, and if they if parents are allowed to keep voicing their um, opinions in that type of manner. I think the only way to solve it is if you, if parents are, aren't allowed to go to the games, and you get you get one strike, and as soon as you say something, you're out of the you're out of the venue, and until that happens, it's it's almost tolerated now, and it will keep going on until parents or whoever are thrown out of the gym, thrown out of the rink. Um, and not allowed to watch their son or daughter play. And it's a sad case where you are surprised when you go to a game when parents just sit and watch their kids play. I've seen this over the past 10 years. I'm going to say 10 years is more student athletes are becoming more specific to a sport. Uh, That was another thing we were kicking around the other night that, you know, it used to be you had either – players that would play a, a, a ball and a spring sport or maybe three sports, you know, be a three sport player. Mm-hmm. Now it's a lot of guys and gals are, are being specific to a sport. They may try a couple just to keep in shape or whatever, but, and then a lot of parents are putting a lot of pressure on that student athlete to excel at that particular sport, sending them off to academies to, to hone their skills and uh, being on these travel teams and whatever. And, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on, on the coach at the high school level or even the junior high school level, but we'll stick with high school because, you know, they want that kid, their kid to be the star. And unfortunately it's a team 
sport, whatever you're playing. And and everybody's a part of that team and should be a part of that team. And if somebody has an ego that, or a parent has the ego that says, my kid's better than your kid or the whole team, we got a problem. We got a big problem. And yeah. I'm, I'm happy to say that I don't see that with the Exeter Blue Hawks. And I'm sure a lot of these other teams in the, in the Seacoast, they've got coaches and athletic directors that, that ride herd on, on their coaches and the teams, but you know, it's, it's getting scary even for them. You mentioned briefly that it sometimes happened at the junior high level and, but we were sticking with high school, but there was a, there was a um, junior high school or I should say middle school basketball game this year that the one parent was constantly berating this official and the official stopped the play, went over to, went over to the coach and said, we're not, we're not resuming this game until that parent leaves the gym. Excellent. Um, parent, Excellent. Parent initially refused to, to, uh, to leave. Coach went over to the parent and said, listen, we're not, you, you need to go. I know you may not agree or disagree with what's being called out on the court, but um, until in, until you leave, the game's not the game's not continuing, and eventually he left. And uh, I heard he took his kid with him, and that just puts everyone in a bad. That's what that's not what sports are about. Exactly, and, and I feel bad um, for that 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 student athlete. You know, right. being being made a, a, a you know a, a, a stooge of sorts yeah. for his parents. It's and almost, that's it's it's, embar- it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the kid. Yeah. It's embarrassing for the parents. He or she may not uh, think it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the school. And it's embarrassing to everyone in the gym to watch and tolerate the behavior. And I I give credit to that official for refusing to continue playing that game until the parent left the gym. So oh, it I- happens and it's unfortunate. Oh, it is unfortunate. And and I know at every NHIA sanctioned event that I've been part of on the uh, public address announcements, I have one that, you know, encourages people, mm-hmm. encourages men or women to become officials. And yeah. uh, I I can speak from experience 30 some odd years ago, I went to the basketball officials, I, I want to call it academy, uh, and and uh, Bill Tostevin and uh, Bob Hodgson uh, were the, uh, the lead guys there. And I really just went to find out more about the sport, the, the rules of the sport of basketball, because my son was just getting into it. And it, yeah, I'll tell you, it was an eye opener. And of course, the rules change over the years. But uh, and there's a lot of interpretation by the officials, the individual officials, and it's usually based on their experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and those two guys I mentioned, they they had been in the in the trenches for years and they had different styles. Bill Tostevin, when he went out there, you didn't mess with Bill. You, you know, if he shot you the eye, he'd give you a chance to, especially a, a coach, to mouth off a little bit, but it, it, it was limited. And uh, Bob Hodgson, he had a different style. He'd go up and just kind of tell the, the coach, look, this is it. First and last warning. Next time I put the seatbelt on you, which means they have to sit down. They can't be talking the sidelines. And um, I learned a lot from that. And I, and I encourage anybody that feels that they know the rules of the game, even though they haven't yeah. studied the rule book to take uh, just the time to take one of those courses and learn how to be an official, even if they don't intend to do it. 
Mm-hmm. I had bad knees. I had to have knee surgery, so that wiped me out. But <laughs> I encourage anybody. And and that's one thing you mentioned early on is there's a lack of officials. I'm seeing new faces and a lot of them from a lot distant uh, you know places that we haven't seen before because a lot of the old timers, those two I just mentioned, I mean, they've retired now. They're yeah. they're doing the you know behind the scenes things for the NHIAA, but and the, and the officials organization. But it's just one of those things where uh, nobody wants to step up if they're going to be harassed. And if parents, like you say, go to this academy like you did, they may come back with a better understanding of what the rules of the game are, and maybe that will help them maybe have more respect for the officials and maybe keep their mouth shut in the stands and just cheer on their kid, cheer on their team, and rather than express their opinions on a call or not call, because I've never seen, I've been, next month is my 26th year in the Seacoast, and I've never seen, I've seen many parents, um, seen, heard, many parents um, express their um, displeasure on the call. However, I've never seen an official change their call because of what a parent said. Right. So and, you're and, not going to do anything to change. You're not going to help your team. You're only going to hurt your team. So Exactly. Someday, maybe the NHIA will have to, especially for tournament games, go to some sort of a, of a, of a camera system similar to college. But there again, why complicate it if you don't need to? Right. You know? you know, if you got three officials out there during a tournament game, they can confer. That was what we were always told. If you, you know, if you feel the guy made a bad call or you didn't get the call, mm-hmm. just pull somebody over and hey, we're yeah. you know talk it over. You know, so As anyways. for help, what did you see? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we've talked about uh, the schoolboy and schoolgirl sports. It's getting down to uh, uh, well, almost tournament time. We got about a week left before we hit the tourneys, uh, and some of them are underway. I know the unified is underway. And uh, anyway, let's. Just recap what you've seen so far, and uh, you pick the sport and, and roll with it, and your bets on who's going to be uh, hot going into the uh, into the tourney. Yeah, if we started, if we start New Hampshire Division One boys basketball, I think it's a it's it's basically a two team race here. I think if you talk to most coaches of 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 Division One, they say the favorites are Bedford and Pinkerton. Uh, they're both fourteen and one. Pinkerton beat Bedford. Uh, last week, the Seacoast team that's having the most success in in uh, Division One's Exeter, uh, they're nine and five. Portsmouth's nine and six. Dover seven and seven. Dover seven and seven. But they handed Pinkerton its its only loss of the season. So right. uh, so Matt Fennessy and his group can sh- prove that they that they can beat the the best team. But I think in in uh, Division One boys. It's uh, Bedford and Pinkerton. Uh, if you go over to Division One girls, um, I think again there you're looking at the same two teams, Bedford and Pinkerton. Um, London Dairy's got a good team. They're twelve and two. Goffstown's eleven and three. Portsmouth is twelve and three. And uh, Tim Hopley and the Portsmouth girls they have a they have a they have a very senior laden, experienced staff. Um, they played Goffstown. Both team both. Uh, Goffstown's eleven and three, as I said, and Portsmouth's twelve and three, and and um, Goffstown went into Stone Gymnasium in Portsmouth, and they're an eleven and three team, so they're playing well. They're in the top half of Division One girls, and Portsmouth 
led after the first quarter 26 to nothing against a team that had that was 11 and 3 so that so they so Portsmouth Tim Hopley his team can play Portsmouth shows that I wouldn't be surprised if Portsmouth sneaks into the final somewhere but I think in both Division 1 boys and girls you're looking at a, a championship game of Bedford and Pinkerton uh Division 3 Boys and girls, I think St. Thomas Aquinas out here in, in the Seacoast. Uh, we don't really talk about Division Three too much, but I think Dave Morissette, a friend of Exeter High Sports, um, he is the St. Thomas uh, boys basketball team off to a 16-1 and start. They get a first-round bye in the Division Three, and they have a chance to, to be state champion this year. And the St. Thomas Aquinas girls team, they're the number one seed, and they have a chance to uh, be a state champion as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if St. Thomas sweeps um, basketball state championships over there, over there in Dover in division three. And um, I don't, I really don't think there's any other Seacoast teams that have a legit chance. I would say Portsmouth girls. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a team that can, that can get to the finals in Division One boys from the Seacoast teams. Exeter is nine and five. Jeff Holmes always does a great job with his team and has his team playing the best uh, at the end of the season. But I think Division One boys are a strong field this year, and Bedford and Pinkerton um, are just that much better than everybody else this year. I agree with you. I've, I've seen both teams. I wouldn't be surprised if Bedford wins if if they meet up again in the finals. I wouldn't be surprised at all if if uh, Bedford wins a second straight championship when it gets down to uh, the championship game at uh, Lundholm Gymnasium at UNH uh, next month. Well, spring training is is underway. Um, pitchers and catchers are, are reporting uh, as we speak, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Alex Cora can do with what he's been given at this point. What's your take? It's frustrating because this is the Boston Red Sox. This is not the Kansas City Royals. This is not the Milwaukee Brewers. This is a top market team. And they are treating it like they are the Tampa Bay Rays. And the uh, Tom Werner, one of the uh, minority owners uh, at the beginning of the offseason, said, we're going to go full throttle into the offseason. And <laughs> everyone likes to do that because they've been anything but that this offseason. And uh, uh, they have glaring holes at multiple positions. They need a starting pitcher. Uh, Jordan Montgomery's out there. Um, Jordan Montgomery is in Boston. His <laughs> wife is uh, work is doing a residency at one of the Boston hospitals. He trained in Boston all winter. Um, he's available. He, uh, he is uh, going to get himself a – uh, I would thought he would have signed by now if spring training begins here. So he's available. Um, Blake Snell's still available with the uh, – with he pitched for the uh, NL. He's a reigning NL Cy Young winner. Um, he hasn't signed yet. They had a glaring need for a right-handed power, power hitter. Um, Jorge Soler was an option. He signed today with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, three years, $42 million. Um they let uh, Justin Turner wanted to come back to Boston. He couldn't even get the Red Sox to engage in a, a negotiation. 
he wanted to come back. He was going to take uh, less money to go to 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 stay at Fenway for a second straight year. He wouldn't. He couldn't get them to talk, so he ended up signing with the Toronto Blue Jays on a one year contract. Um, uh, JD Martinez is still out there. So mm-hmm. is, is is there a potential reunion for the um, for the Red Sox to bring him back and fill a glaring need? There's um, been talk that the Red Sox are in talks of trading Kenley Jansen or yeah. Kenley Jansen and because he's making $16 million and they can't do one move. They can't add another player without, without shedding some payroll. And Jansen proved uh, last, last year that having a bona fide closer helps the team. And um, so are you saying like, you can't sign a pitcher or get another bat until you shed some payroll from from your closer position. And if they do that, then they fill a void in their bullpen. It's just been a very frustrating season for the Red Sox. And um, Sam Kennedy, when he appeared at the winter weekend in Springfield at the MGM, him and Tom Werner and, and Craig Breslow were booed, rightfully so. They were booed when they came out on stage. Wow. at the M- MGM Casino in Springfield. And and Sam Kennedy quickly shot down saying something to the f- uh, effect, like, if you don't think this Red Sox ownership is committed, then I'm going to tell you you're a liar and it's BS because we're as, as committed now as we've ever have been in the 20-something years that this ownership has been here. And he just – Sam Kennedy and the Red Sox just think – they must think Red Sox fans are stupid. Um, if they if, if they say that and actually think people are going to believe it, it's just a very frustrating um, offseason for the Red Sox. And like you said, I'm a season ticket holder, and this will be my uh, – I got on the list for season tickets in 2003. I was on the wait list for 10 years. My first year of season tickets was the year after – Bobby Valentine was so bad in the in the summer of 2012 <laughs> that everybody had enough. And uh-huh. so my first year was 2013. And so this would make it, what, year 11 for me for season tickets. And it's, I love the Red Sox, but it's just been a very frustrating offseason where they're not – it's obvious when they just put in a, the, the, uh, the majority stake of $3 billion – to the to the PGA tour or whatever involvement in golf they they're in, I think they they put the Red Sox on the back burner here and have gotten involved in too many other avenues like the Pittsburgh Penguins and and, mm-hmm. and soccer overseas and mm-hmm. now with the golf there's focus on baseball. What about the the signing of Theo Epstein <laughs> and bringing him back in the fold? I, I like that, but now they're saying I I like that. That's certainly that's certainly a very small step in the right direction. However, Sam Kennedy was was saying like this is a this is a uh, interim spot for Theo before he pursues his next his next uh, adventure. So whatever the next adventure is, this is just one step before he goes to whatever project he's going to work on now. But I think Theo is smart enough where he can. And has a relationship with John Henry and Tom Werner and 
good for a Brookline buddy, Sam Kennedy, where he can say like, you gotta, you gotta start right. investing money into your club or you're gonna alienate your fan base. And that's something you, you cannot do in Boston. And then he'll just move on to someplace else and, and build a team there like he did with Chicago. I mean, it's just, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to bring him into the fold and then turn around and just sit him in an office and give him nothing to do, you know, let him, let him work, let him do his magic like he did years ago. I mean, work with Kennedy and whoever else. Uh, but one thing I was going to mention that uh, from spring training already, Alex Cora is, says here, uh, uh, Sean McAdams columns is uh, Alex Cora envision envisioning Yoshida getting most of his at bats at uh, DH this year because he had trouble in, in right field. And that's going to be a, a question mark. I mean, center field Duran probably if they don't trade him away left field, I don't know. Uh, O'Neill probably. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they shore up that outfield as well. The other thing uh, that came out of major league baseball today uh Watch out, Dave O'Brien and all the guys that are play-by-play guys. Jenny Kavnar was named the Oakland A's lead play-by-play announcer, and she will be the first female primary play-by-play announcer in Major League Baseball history. Now, Susan Waldron's been with the Yankees for years, but John Sterling is, quote-unquote, the lead announcer. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, people in the in the A's organization take to a, a female voice. I mean, i it's time. I mean, I don't yeah. see why not. And before we sign off, anything on the two-minute drill side of things? Uh, I, I just I just hope the uh, as we go into NBA All-Star Weekend, I think the Celtics are still at the top of the NBA. I still think they are the uh, considered one of the uh, one of the uh, favorites to win the NBA title this year. That would be their first first one in sixteen years. Wow, it's been sixteen years since they last raised a banner to the rafters at the garden. I think the Celtics have a good chance and um, the Bruins obviously are playing well again, but who knows if they can get past the, the first round. Um, I just think by the, I going back to my bread and butter, the baseball, I just think that when it's all said and done, maybe with uh, Jordan, Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery still, still out there. Maybe they finally come to like one of those one year, one year deals to, uh, kind of similar what the Red Sox did with uh, Adrian Beltre when back in his uh, the middle of his career where he really didn't have any any suitors, so the Red Sox came in and gave him a one year ten million dollar deal. So hope hope the Red Sox can uh, make another move before we get into games and down in Fort Myers. But I wouldn't hold my breath. And uh, um, uh, this is uh, this is the winter doldrums. The like the like the week after the Super Bowl is tough because the only yeah. thing going on is is you know. uh, NBA and the NHL. If if you're into hockey and um, so we just got to get through the next uh, couple months, get into get into the playoffs from the NBA NHL. Then we'll get into baseball season. Then we'll be talking about the draft too. Who, who uh, oh, yeah. What do the Patriots do in the draft? Do they well, do they I'm, keep it? Do they trade it? What's uh, you that, know? That's going to be an interesting uh, topic that that dominates the airwaves in the next two months. You got it. I know we were kicking that around again uh, last night. Uh, I said <laughs> I'm I'm all in favor of going after Harrison from Ohio yeah. State. I know everybody wants a quarterback, but yeah. go back to the Purdy in the in the Super Bowl. I mean, Brock Purdy was the last pick in in the draft. And he was in the Super Bowl. Now, yeah. you take a, a, a high pick 
with with your first rounder and uh, uh there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there but will they translate to the nfl and i would i, you I would? would love here's my ideal patriot scenario i would love for them to draft as you said marvin harrison and then trade third round i, I think you can get justin fields for a third round pick so send you so send your third round pick to chicago who has the number one pick and the number nine? Most people say they're going to go Caleb Williams number one, so which makes Fields available. Trade Fields to the Patriots. Then you have Fields and Harrison as hmm. your quarterback and a and your top receiver. And then you got to address the line. But if you can hit, if you can hit Harrison and Fields, I think that's a very good start. And I would be fully on board. But then also, if someone, if someone like Atlanta or or Minnesota, who's drafting, I think Atlanta's eight and and uh, Minnesota's eleven. If they come at you, if they call you and say, "Hey, we'll offer you X, Y, and Z for the number mm. three, yeah. if you're like overwhelmed by some draft trade, I think you have to entertain it and get more, and especially if it includes like a additional first round pick next year. Well, that was Bill Belichick's thing, always to draft down. Yeah, exactly. But there's no but, one from Rutgers. There's no long snapper from Rutgers available. So. <laughs> and a quick quick uh, thought on that from you about Belichick not getting picked up by anybody. Yeah, that was kind year. of surprising with. I think there were eight NFL openings, and I thought for sure that the Cowboys were going to, after they lost to, I, I forget who they lost in the playoffs, but it, but once they lost, it was the Packers. uh once the uh, Cowboys lost to the Packers in the playoffs, I thought McCarthy was gone. I thought Belichick was going to go in, um, and Jerry Jones was going to hire him. Mm, I uh, thought so too. For yeah. like a two or three year contract, get them to the Super. Bowl. I think Belichick can take that talented roster and get them to the Super Bowl and have the Cowboys win a Super Bowl. And then they he Jones came out and said he was going to stick with McCarthy, and then. I thought there was the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons job came up. I guess he interviewed twice down there with Arthur Blank and the the personnel department in Atlanta. And Blank came out this weekend saying that Belichick did not ask for total team control. So um, to have eight or nine NFL openings and have both Belichick and Mike Vrabel not get a job, I thought that was kind of surprising. I'm in total agreement. I thought the Dallas Cowboys, especially Jones, would uh, try to get – the Belichick touchdown there, but also to kind of rub it into Bob Kraft since they don't yeah. get along that well together. For my two-minute drill on the subject of the Patriots, I wish good luck to Dylan Lobby, uh, who yeah. did a lot of good things for the UNH Wildcats and had a great senior bowl game recently. And uh, I guess the Patriots are actually, you know, got an eye on him. So that would be a nice team for a guy like Lobby. You know, we could use him for running the ball back on kickoffs and also – that type of guy that you could kind of have as a safety valve in the in the backfield. Uh, so, to, you know, I don't care if it's Mac Jones or whoever the quarterback is, Bailey Zappi or some mystery quarterback from the draft. Somebody that, you know, you've got a guy in that backfield you can count on to get out there and throw the ball to. So good luck to Dylan Lumpy. I spoke to him last Thursday. We did a story on him, and uh, I spoke to him. He was very excited about uh, his performance at the Reese's Senior Bowl, and – He's very excited about proving people wrong again and having a good workout at the combine. And then he fully uh, is confident that he can play in the NFL. And 
he models his game after Christian McCaffrey and he met the he met Ed Ed McCaffrey and Christian's younger brother Luke at the senior bowl. And uh if you're gonna model yourself after a player, might as well model yourself after the best running back there is. And I think yeah. I think when he gets his chance, I think Dylan Lowby will uh will certainly uh, seize the opportunity and be the next local Seacoast kid, at least from the college perspective, uh, get to the get to the NFL and have a have a good career. You know, a lot of coaching staffs, I think, look after size and speed and whatever. But I think the thing that he has both of those, but he also has heart. He has heart. Right. And that's what's going to matter when yeah. it comes to whoever gets him. I think whatever team picks him and they should pick him. Uh, he's going to, he's going to be a factor in the future when it comes to the playoffs, uh, the, the, uh, championship, the NHIA girls championship will be on March 9th, the boys, and that'll be on March 10th. And both of those tourneys for the uh, championships for the girls and boys will be at UNH. And so I look forward to being there. And, Are you uh, in the mic? I hope so. I nice. hope so. There you go. Yeah. Lord willing. I'll see you there so. then. Thank you to Jay Pinsano from Seacoast Media Group. You catch the byline in the Ports with Herald, Foster's Democrat, uh, Hampton Union, Exeter Newsletter, and all the other papers that are in the group. And most importantly, the way I, where I get all your stuff on seacoastonline.com. If you're enjoying the show, please pass the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. So on behalf of Jay Pinsano, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum.